we're lucky in a sense in this country. Many Australians get free access to a lot of basic healthcare services under Medicare, and so we should. Then we've got the added option of taking out private health insurance as individuals or families to cover some of the more comprehensive healthcare services. But even when you've got Medicare and the private health insurance stuff sorted, there's still a lot of out-of-pocket expenses in healthcare. For many Australians and people generally around the world, the upfront cost of healthcare is more than just annoying. It's an inhibitor. It stops them from receiving care. And if people aren't getting the healthcare they need, that's a big problem. Not just for them, but you think of the knock-on effects it impacts the entire healthcare system. Well, with me today is Steve Zinsley, the CEO and founder of Health Now. And in this episode, we're going to talk about accessibility in healthcare, the messy world of costs and inflation in health, the role of employers in all of this, and some solutions to the problems arising. Collaboration starts with the conversation team, Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. With me today is Steve Zinsley, a passionate healthcare entrepreneur on a mission to make healthcare more accessible to more people by bringing healthcare payments and platforms into the future. Hey, Steve, how are you going? Yeah, good, Pete. Thanks so much for that intro. And I think yeah, you've definitely hit the nail on the head just with respect to the delay and neglect of health subject to cost. Yeah, man, I know we've talked a bit about this offline as well. So I love some of your perspectives, but we've only scratched the surface in those conversations. So I can't wait to dive into it with you now. And as well, it was great to chat with you at the Autumn Summit recently as well in a conversation with other people in a session about payers and providers. But let's dive into you and health now. Firstly, tell us about you and your background. Sure, Pete. So I was a clinician by trade. I studied as a musculoskeletal podiatrist. Straight out of uni, I went in and worked for a, a brick and mortar healthcare business, which I really aligned with. It was I had a real deep passion for making healthcare accessible. So you can see kind of how this had a knock-on effect into what I'm doing now. I was graced with the opportunity to buy into that business relatively early in my career. And myself and that business partner grew that business from two sites. And I was number 13 with respect to staff number. And we grew that up to 120 at its peak across 15 clinics and six different healthcare disciplines. And then from the exposure to the inability of customers and patients to be able to access the healthcare that they need at the time that they need it, it really led me down the channel of wanting to make a bigger difference in that space. And I realized that technology was the way that we were going to be able to solve that on a really wide scale without being bound by brick and mortar limitations and restrictions. And here we are today. Yeah. Well, here we are today. Tell us a bit more about that technology. Are we referring to health now? Yeah, correct. So I guess just adding a little bit more color to that prior comment, I initially thought that I was going to be in the space of brick and mortar healthcare for my whole life. And I had this plan to grow that business to 70 locations all over Auckland and integrate across all these different healthcare platforms and disciplines, sorry. And then, you know, as I kind of got exposed to that business with my business partner and the cost of trying to set up these businesses, I realized that there was, it was quite a tall ask and I wasn't going to be able to achieve it in the time that I have and on my time that's available on this earth. And then so when we looked to when I looked to establish health now, I kind of realized that there was all of these really, really great providers and great businesses, not only in New Zealand, but all over the world that were providing really great services. And I didn't need to be the one that owned all of the clinics or employed all of the staff. We just needed to provide the financial lubrication to allow those customers or allow patients to go and get treatment from the existing providers and companies that were already in existence within the healthcare space. 
And then as you say, HealthNow was born and, and we built this transactional solution. Sorry, it's a platform, not a solution. So we have a, a platform which allows customers to do a series of different things. The first solution being our health-specific Buy Now Pay Later platform, which allows a customer to distribute the cost of their healthcare over. Initially, it was a period of up to six weeks. We've now just increased that to up to 12 weeks. And then we've got our self-insurance tool, our digital health wallet, where consumers can subscribe to their future health needs noting that with health cost, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And then our third and currently final transactional solution is our employer aid platform where employers are able to make tangible contributions in an amount that they can afford to their employees' healthcare and, and drive productive, happy, healthy, safe work environments. Love it. I want to dive into some of those a bit later in this conversation. But we talked a little bit at the Autumn Summit as well and then into Cover Us as well. But bridge that gap. Tell us about Cover Us and what that is. Yeah, totally. So we've been, I'm not sure if lucky is the right word because the team has worked exceptionally hard to be able to achieve what we have achieved within the timeline that it's been achieved. But we have been lucky with respect to timing of when a business in the States by the name of Cover Us has sought an effective exit and that's provided us an opportunity to go down the line of acquisition. So on the 14th of April, we acquired a prescription discount business by the name of Cover Us, which has a networked relationship with 62,000 pharmacies in America to allow patients to acquire prescription discount coupons to then remove the barrier that prescription costs currently have in America to patients acquiring the prescriptions that they need at the time that they need them. Why this is important and why this is important to the Australian population is because we'll be trading as Cover Us in the AU market. Obviously, uh, Telstra has bet us to the line with respect to the HealthNow brand, so we won't be able to use HealthNow in the Australian market, so we will be trading as Cover Us AU, and that's the brand that Australians will come to know and love in their healthcare journey and improving that healthcare accessibility. Got it. That point around accessibility, I want to go into that a little bit more because we touch on this a bit on the show, but from different perspectives because... From one perspective, accessibility, it comes up a lot in Australia because it's geographically a very big country and the rural and remoteness of everything means that it's hard to access healthcare in a rural and remote community. We talk a bit about accessibility and the importance of it when it comes to people like with the aged or disability communities and being able to access care that way. Speaking of it from a payments perspective and this side, talk to me more about what that's all about and why it's important. Okay. So I think the first point to raise is probably that as end users of health, we don't plan for health events to occur, right? Like no one's sitting there going like, oh, I'm going to fall down the stairs tomorrow. I'm going to get a cold. I'm going to need to take a week off work because I've got this issue going on. And then something more significant and unfortunate happens. And because of individuals not planning for these events to happen, they don't always have the nest egg or financial planning to cover these costs when they do arise. And I mean, you spoke to the point earlier around how Medicare and other payers within the Australian market covers the majority of the health costs. There still is, in many cases, co-payments, disbursements, out-of-pocket elements. And I think, you know, it's important to remind ourselves as professionals and especially health professionals that although these sums may seem small, like $30, $20, $50 in different cases, for end users who don't have those funds set aside or well, first and foremost, let's talk about the end users that don't have the funds set aside. So if people only have $20 left for unforeseen expenses, it's very unlikely that they're going to be able to come up with the money to go and pay that copay. Then we've got another basket of end users who we need to start looking at health prioritization and funds prioritization. If you've got an end user who's got plans on the weekend, plans to buy something new, it can become challenging for them to prioritize their healthcare and make the right decisions with those funds when it's a full out-of-pocket expense. So we look at what we're doing and how our solution makes healthcare more accessible 
because we're breaking down the costs into smaller bites. And by making these big health bills into small health bills, it makes the customer more amendable to the cost in their out-of-pocket element. Touched on a point that I was thinking before too. It's like, it's easy to say, but if you were just talking about putting aside costs to pay for them later, you could just put money into a savings account. And then if you needed the money later, you could then use it on your healthcare, but it doesn't work like that in real life. You know, it's hundred percent. Like, yeah. You need the money aside for healthcare. Yeah. yeah. I've been pitched that position a couple of times, you know, and I think we all have the best intentions to behave appropriately with the way that we put our money in our bank account. But like, even if you did have a savings account that was set aside for health, like it'd be so, and it is so tempting to go and spend it on something that's more of an instant gratification purchase. Because again, like people don't like paying for health. Although this is the discovery and the data that we've received from end users. People don't like paying for health. It's seen as like an uncomfortable purchase. Like it's, it's for something they don't really want and something for they don't plan. So when funds are set aside in an account outside of their normative bank account that has a, the whole psychological profile is around like this money here, this wallet here, this is specifically for my health, this is for my future well-being. Like people don't tend, or from what we've seen with our utility, people don't tend to try and dip into it, try to retract it. Like it's got a very specific use case and it's there for that rainy day. Okay, so that's from a patient side, that's starting to make sense. Think from a clinician's point of view, what do clinicians think of this? Why would they get involved with this? So I think first and foremost, I'd like to kind of go back to my own clinical experience of being at the coalface. And, you know, there were so many instances where patients would come into the business or into our business or into see me as a clinician. And they, I knew exactly what they needed. And in my case, that might've been an orthotic, some form of injection medicine or some other more prescriptive item that came with a high out-of-pocket cost. You were quite often or in certain instances met with, do I have to get this or is there a cheaper option? And unfortunately in healthcare, when we're looking at evidence-based gold standard treatment, sometimes there isn't another option. And so like either the customer's put in a position where they've got potentially a poor customer experience or they're put in a different experience where they can't access the healthcare that they require, right? So by allowing them to distribute the cost of that care over time or save for their care in advance or have their employer contribute to their care, it allows health users to propose treatments, not have the barrier of cost from an end user's perspective and ensure that they're able to provide the treatment that's gold standard at the time that it's needed and get better healthcare outcomes. So that's from the coalface clinical provider perspective. Then if we apply the business layer to that, acknowledging that there is a significant portion of the healthcare system, which is private, meaning that they do need to remain financially sustainable and they don't need to, like healthcare businesses in a majority of cases, they're not there to make massive profits. They're there because they love looking after people, right? But they still need to make sure that they're financially sustainable so they can continue to operate their business and cover the cost of conducting business so that they can either remain the same size and serve the population they're serving, or hopefully, in my opinion, they need to grow so they can continue to serve more people and provide more opportunities both to the patients and to other health providers that are coming into the industry. So with a solution like ours, where you're able to increase the total accessible market of patients who can access the healthcare that they require, because financial barriers are removed or reduced, it increases the profitability and economic opportunity for healthcare companies in an ethical way where they're able to provide gold standard treatment to the patients that need it at the time that it's required. Yeah, got it. From what I know of clinicians though, you know, it's a busy environment. Often it's very much a what's in it for me type situation of like, why would I take on something else if there's no real kind of material benefit or if I'm not getting paid for it, why, why would this be another thing that we add to our, our repertoire? Like from a clinician's point of view, that's trying to work out how this fits into their practice. What kind of clinician does this really suit? Yeah, Pete, that's a really, really great point. Like, first and foremost, I just want to clear up that pay the clinicians and the companies are definitely getting something from onboarding our solution. 
like yes, our solution is targeted to make healthcare more accessible for end users, but we need to remember that as clinicians and private clinicians within the healthcare space, without being crude, we get paid for bums on seats, right? Like we get paid for the number of patients that we get through the door and that we can provide healthcare to at the time that they need it. So if we've got a percentage of the market who isn't coming to access healthcare within your business because they can't afford it, and then now we remove that barrier and they can afford it, you have now got exposure to a significant number of more patients which are going to be able to access care. And then I think in addition to that, especially in the current market where we're seeing some relatively significant macroeconomic effects and tightening of the pocket and pressure on health-based businesses with suppliers increasing prices, rents going up, pay for staff, high quality staff going up, there is going to come a time soon where health providers are going to need to be able to put up their prices without affecting end users' ability to access care. And our solution is the perfect way or has been shown to be the perfect way with a fair few of our providers at making the business decisions that need to be made to remain financially sustainable, as we were alluding to earlier, while still ensuring that customers can come and access the healthcare that they require at the time that it's needed. Well, I'm thinking now in the parts of the healthcare system that need attention the most it's a generalization, but often are in areas that might also be under financial hardship or have other issues and concerns, meaning that they would need extra tools and capability to be able to access that care to not further kind of create issues down the line. So from a clinic's point of view, being able to see patients earlier or when they need it, as opposed to then putting the pressure on later or then on the broader healthcare system, that's a really important point. Yeah, I definitely agree with that point, Pete. And I think um, essentially what, what you've said, if I just relay that message in my interpretation of what you've said is patients accessing healthcare in the short term is how we reduce long-term health expenditures. And that's like, you know, reduce long-term health expenditures and improve long-term health outcomes. So if we can get a customer that comes in where, if we use a, a diabetic example, where they're pre-diabetic, you know, they've still got effective pancreatic beta cell functionality and we can get them the care and the advice that they need early in that healthcare journey, we can potentially revert that issue from progressing. Whereas if we have patients who aren't able to access healthcare with this diabetic example and they're pre-diabetic and then they just continue on without advice and support and the treatment that they require early in that journey, obviously that then exposes both the individual and the healthcare system to significantly larger cost, significantly larger risk for the end user with respect to like renal concern, eye concerns, amputation concerns, et cetera, et cetera. So again, like it's about making sure that patients can get the healthcare they need at the time it's required, reducing exposure to their own personal costs and the macro market of health. Hey, one thing I'm curious on as well too, looking at the different solutions as part of the platform with Health Now, and it relates to the employer side of things as well. And I can see how that would be, you know, very front of mind in the US based on my limited understanding. But here in Australia, employers have less involvement when it comes to healthcare payments. So I'm keen to learn a bit more like how employers might see that element and aspect, how that might tie into, say, this part of the world, or is it something that's very more focused in the US? Talk me through the employer side of why they might, you know, adopt something like this. Yeah, of course. I think the first thing to probably touch on is that, you know, why would an employer not be part of their employees' healthcare? In any business, employees are your biggest resource. They're the things that make you money. I always like to use the construction industry when we have these types of conversations as my example. You know, you go into a construction site or a trucking company and you say, can you give me the maintenance periods on all of your machinery? And they'll quickly go and grab a document and show you all of the maintenance periods and they'll have a maintenance professional that's ready to explain everything to you. And then you say, hey man, can you tell me what the maintenance period for all of your staff is? And and very quickly you'll get... um 
so very, true though very yeah. wide eyes and they'll go that's not my responsibility yeah and then my return to that is like it may not be your responsibility but you're the one that's exposed to loss when they're not able to come to work like not only do you have to find a replacement for that day because again if we keep this construction kind of analogy so you've got your truck and it's had its maintenance period. It's, but it's you, easier yeah. to get a replacement truck. Oh, man, I'm all on board with this one. This is the best one I've had all year. This is great. But if you don't have the driver to drive the truck, yeah. what's the point of having the truck that's awesome and being yeah. through all of its maintenance periods? So like I always try and explain, and it's an example that they really understand, right? Because like everyone experiences this. Oh, like John Smith couldn't come to work today. Where's his workload going to the rest of the team? Sweet. Is the rest of the team going to be able to like sit at their same level of productivity if they're one team member short? No. Is the business going to have to still pay for John's sick day? Yes. Is John going to go to the doctor? Potentially not because he doesn't want to expose himself to the additional expense. Does that then mean that John doesn't get better within the perfect amount of time? Potentially, which then means the business is exposed to more costs with respect to sick days. It would cost the business a hell of a lot less to just help John fund his healthcare so he goes on day one or potentially goes preventatively because we know that preventative healthcare is the best way to prevent long-term health concerns unless they're obviously surprise or accidents. But it'd be much better for the business from a productivity perspective to support their staff with respect to healthcare access so then we can have happier, healthier staff members who are able to be more productive in the workplace. We haven't even gone into the great resignation in the job market currently and how employers are needing to look for more competitive employment packages to pull the right staff members into their organizations and health is seen as one of the the most important elements of any role like after pay how does a company support their employees both health mental health physical health social health and welfare like that's what individuals are looking for so i hope that answers that question as to why it's important for employers to be part of that health journey many times over and also gives lots of really important things for business owners and managers to think about anyway so that's some great perspective there Hey, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier too. You emphasized the point of, you know, the platform of health now. And, you know, I know of some other payment providers or just some different solutions and different ways to cut this up and address the problem. You know, sometimes it could just be from a payment provider's perspective, just be, you know, the transaction provider. Tell us about the platform and the the importance of all of that in how health now works. Yeah, of course. The reason we've gone for a platform play is because we know that like everywhere else in the patient experience, when their customers in the retail space or any other purchase they're making in their life, they have extremely modern experiences that take them from discovery all the way through to access or conversion or purchase, right? Whereas when we look in the healthcare sector, for whatever reason, we haven't seen that same level of innovation and advancement in the transactional experience. And so within the HealthNow platform and the CoverUsAU platform, which the Australian market will be exposed to, We've made it a really high priority to bring a modern payment experience and modern customer journey to our platform. So we don't just want to be there just to transact and just be a point of sale instrument that you just, you know, tap and go or kind of have one item of utility. We want to be there to support the customer, bring healthcare back into the palm of their hands provide them with a place to discover accessible health providers who care about the accessibility of the care that they're providing, provide them the ability to network to whether it's in our own solution or with a partner, provide them the ability to go through and book that appointment with the provider that they've chosen, then help them transact with the provider that they've chosen, and then subsequently provide a net promoter score to that provider so that we can have a really succinct service to the end user so they can just, um, yeah, just get a great user experience on the platform. Yeah, it's similar to, like you say, from a patient's perspective, it's not an unfamiliar experience to utilize an app like that or a solution that does take you through that that full journey. 
this dates me a little bit. I'm thinking back to the very early episodes of this podcast. I remember speaking about payments in another conversation and it was around about the time that Buy Now, Pay Later was kind of being touched on a little bit in in Australia here. It it emerged a bit more from a retail side and it was just starting to touch health and it was kind of a bit of a, oh yeah, okay, cool. Now we're kind of looking at it and Buy Now, Pay Later, it's certainly something that's made a bit more of an appearance. I want to hear from your side about how established is it within in healthcare? Is it here to stay? What role does it play when it comes to healthcare payments? Buy now, pay later. I'm not entirely sure if I could comment on what the retail players' intentions are with respect to their play in the healthcare space. I think that it would be appropriate to say that the retail buy now, pay later providers are not overly concerned in which verticals they attempt to play in as long as the users are transacting on their platform. And that's kind of seen with the onboarding of merchants across every single platform and allowing end users to buy any product from retail products to alcohol to concert tickets to anything, right? So I'm, I don't know if I could comment on what their intent is specifically to health. And I know that they have made certain plays into the healthcare space. And it's not a bad thing, right? It's a good thing that customers have been exposed to the ability to access buy now, pay later like mechanisms within the healthcare sector. But what I do believe is that For health providers and for us to see wide-scale utility of a buy now, pay later solution within the healthcare space, you need a healthcare-specific solution that meets the needs of healthcare providers because they're they're our customer. End users are our customer as well, but healthcare providers are our, our customer. We need healthcare providers to onboard with the solution and be accepting of the solution for us to be able to provide this platform and the solution to end users. And from my experience, and we can kind of look at other technological markets to support this argument, Healthcare providers want healthcare-specific solutions that secure with their data approach, that operate ethically, that behave and allow transactions of, quote-unquote, the right type of products. And what we've seen is really effective utility and onboarding of healthcare providers because we are so specific in our approach. And we only allow health-specific providers and merchants to onboard and utilize our platform. We have no appetite to be onboarding retail, onboarding purely econ businesses, if it's a health-specific solution, a health-specific provider, health and wellness-specific provider will be there to support that transaction. And health providers have have supported us in that with and spoken with their feet with respect to the level of onboarding that we've seen. Nice one. I think that's, that's really important too, because one thing you don't want to be doing is just deferring the problem for patients or creating a bigger problem, you know, further down the line. I think that's important, particularly with a solution like this, which has the potential to help, you know, spread the impact out and give people what they need now and then deal with the payments over time. The ethics and the doing things right and ensuring that the right players are involved is, is really important. And so when it comes to the financial hardship side, if patients do run into situations or customers run into situations where they do have financial hardship how do you deal with that like that's going to happen from time to time yeah of course and i what's actually one of our legislative responsibilities as well but the way i kind of view it is that we need to be there to support our customers and the unique situations that may arise within their lives you know like we all have different experiences and sometimes things get hard and this isn't just me speaking on behalf of our business i think any business that operates in a space where you're providing some element of liquidity should be able to be there to support customers in times of hardship and yeah so we've built a we've got a hardship policy we've got processes internally and we've got people to support those individuals to be able to make the right decisions for our end users because for us you know maybe there's one transactional one situation that's challenging it's not worth losing a customer over one situation right like it's better to support that customer and allow them to engage successfully within the platform and allow them to engage successfully within their healthcare journey allow them to get back to the to 100 of practically attainable pre-injury health within their healthcare experience 
and then that's a customer that we're going to be able to keep for life and we'll be able to continue to support for future transactions. Love it. It sounded like you've already onboarded, you know, providers and clinicians. So it sounds like patients, customers are using the platform now. Yeah, totally. And so like, how are they finding? What's the feedback? How's that also shaped what it's looking like now too? Yeah, it's been genuinely a really, really awesome experience to go from you know, a concept just on the back of a napkin, as they say, to now bringing it. They all into, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now bringing it, bringing it into fruition of it being a tangible solution that's in market trading, and both customers and merchants are loving it. From a customer perspective, we do send out frequent surveys just to try and find out what they like about the solution, what they don't like about the solution, how we can make it better. Customer love and and ongoing customer support is extremely important to our business because you know if you don't have a, a customer base which loves the solution, you haven't got a solution at all. You've just you've just got a money pit you're trying to continue to build. And something that's been really great about our customers as well that they come from such a diverse background, both with geography and socioeconomic demographics. So we can get a really good understanding of how we're helping different users within their healthcare journey. But just to your point, some users have literally sent in unsolicited emails just thanking us for them being able to go and access healthcare. We had one, literally the other day, we had a customer send us an email before they had signed up and said, hey, like, what do I need to do to sign up? I've got an ultrasound appointment later this afternoon. Like, I really want to be able to utilize this platform. If I can't use it, then I'm not going to be able to go and get my scan. And one of my customer success team obviously helped them through their onboarding experience and gave them a little bit of handholding because they had contacted us first just to kind of, you know, do our, um, our darndest for a good experience. And then that customer went and got the healthcare they required and sent us through an email after just thanking us again. So there's those situations. And for me, genuinely, like coming from a healthcare background, everyone else isn't going to be able to see my face, obviously, when I'm talking to this point. But genuinely, I couldn't express the excitement of seeing customers go and access the healthcare that they require at the time it's needed. Every time I see a transaction come through and us be able to disperse money to a merchant, I'm just, I'm so stoked that we've been able to be part of that. And and know that more potentially in some instances, those customers wouldn't have got the healthcare if our solution wasn't there and available at the time that they needed it. Yeah. Amazing. That's so cool. I love hearing the real world application, you know, and for some, you know, it's just an ultrasound or just a scan, but like those things, as you say, you know, have a material impact and sometimes it's really important. Oh, totally. And there's ones that are like, there's things that you just wouldn't even think customers would use it for, right? Like, and there's other elements of healthcare, which are temporarily required. So like the amount of pregnancy scans that we've funded and the ability for users to be able to advance the type of imaging that they're going for within that pregnancy experience. So we've funded three-dimensional pregnancy scan or 3D, 4D pregnancy scans. And it's like now that customer's like, like what we, there's a little phrase that we throw around in the office about this specific situation. It's like spreading the cost of lifetime memories. Like these patients may have otherwise gone for just a traditional two-dimensional scan and being able to now support a different type of imaging solution, just imagining those parents in the room and getting that exposure. It's again, it's just a really awesome experience to be part of that journey with our patients and our, our customers. Something I'm really proud of, Pete, is the selection of merchants that we do have. You know, as I said earlier, we're really selective and we ensure that we're, we're supporting health and wellness purchases and we're onboarding health and wellness merchants. And for us, like, you know, in the office, again, like we have this little saying that we throw around that health now and cover us AU is about having all of the merchants that you need and none of the merchants that you don't need. We're not here to support like instant gratification purchases. We're yep. here to support healthcare purchases at the time that you need it. What a great example. That's so cool. And so lastly, then thinking as a double barreled question, then I guess, because I want to know what's happening in the future, what you've got on the horizon for health now generally, but also here in Australia, keeping our eyes out for cover us. Are you tell us about that plan and what the next steps are? 
Yeah, indeed. So just looking, I guess, more high level and zooming out, we've, as I alluded to, we just acquired the American business. So we're looking to stand up the American solution and be tangible in market before Q3. Really excited to be connecting those two tech stacks and, and being able to provide a really effective solution for the American market. It's a much more challenging market than New Zealand or Australia for acquisition of health. And if we go to the data points, you know, it's north of 24% annually, it's delaying or neglecting healthcare due to cost-related barriers. And I think a stat I read recently was that 10% of the American population is scared of medical bills, like has a fear of the next medical bill that they're going to receive, you know. So I'm really excited to be able to jump up into that market and hopefully make a significant impact into the customer experience of Americans and making it more accessible. And then with respect to the Australian market, we do actually have customers already on board in Australia. We're just not currently active in transacting. So that's, I guess, the first little bit of excitement. And that's across a few different sectors and allied health, primary care providers, and some digital health or telehealth providers. So really excited to be able to launch with those customers in the near future. And then in addition to that, we're just looking at partnership options at the moment to try and increase our scaling as quickly as possible so we can get this platform into the hands of as many users and merchants as quickly as possible. And we have been successful in the early discussions with some market-leading payment solutions. So I guess the comment line for the AU market is just watch the space. You will see Cover Us AU coming and hopefully we'll be coming with a, a relative relatively large scale from day one. Super duper. We'll put some details in the show notes of this episode for people can click through to your directory listing on the Talking Health Tech website and check out more information, but also through to the Health Now page as well. Look, Steve, appreciate the time that you've taken today to take me through it. Can't wait to keep in touch and follow the journey through. It's a really exciting space and really cool solution. So thank you so much. All the best. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Really awesome to be here. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.